get the full bonfire experience on your screen youtube.com slash bonfire sports thumbs up subscribe you'll know when we're live enjoy the games Hi, everybody. Welcome inside Game Day After Dark here on Bonfire Sports. Uh, I would ask how you all are doing, but I have uh, a good indication of uh, how all Bombers fans are, are feeling right now, and I can share this with you. That sentiment, uh, the exact same inside the Blue Bombers locker room following the 110th Grey Cup and a uh, final score, 28-24, the Montreal Alouettes are the Cinderella story and the shockers of the Canadian Football League, upsetting the 16-win Toronto Argonauts in the West Final after uh, a decisive win in the or pardon me in the East Final uh, after a decisive win in the East Semifinal over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Blue Bombers, of course, a 14-win team in 2023 and decisive favorites going into this game. Um, Look, we're not going to overly dissect this one. It was an incredibly entertaining and well-played football game from both teams. Uh, in the end, Montreal made a couple plays when it mattered. And, you know, Winnipeg made some good things happen uh, in, in the first half. And, and even into the second half, uh, Montreal countered incredible game from uh Kavian Ento uh who was uh, just an absolute uh beast Kavian Ento I'll, I'll correct myself there uh the defensive back for the Montreal Alouettes he had a pass breakup on a would-be touchdown catch for Drew Wolitarski in the second quarter he forced a fumble on Brady Oliveira that the Alouettes recovered in the second quarter and then he had that very impressive leaping elevating outstretching interception in the end zone uh, on what probably would have been a Kenny Lawler touchdown off the arm of Zach Kolaris. Uh, I'll just share with you guys what I learned and, and what we heard inside the Blue Bombers locker room, as well as from head coach Mike O'Shea and quarterback Zach Kolaris, who spoke at the podium in front of uh, the assembled media here in Hamilton. Uh, and I will post a lot of this uh, content here on Bonfire Sports, uh, probably uh, a little bit later tonight. Can't stay and do the post game too, too long. I got to get on a bus. Uh, last one out of here uh, at Tim Hortons Field in just about 30 minutes. So uh, hopefully we can we can get through that. And uh, look, before I do that, I want to thank everybody out there. All of you Bonfire starters, all of you OGs, all of you new listeners and viewers, Thank you for joining us here in 2023, or if you joined us uh, last season as well, and if you go back to 2021 when Chris Walby and I uh, started Game Day Winnipeg in our pregame show here on Bonfire Sports in those early days after TSN Radio, thank you. Thank you for your support, your viewership and listenership, all of your comments, uh, all of your messages, um, and really all of just your engagement uh, means the world to me. 
you know, when, when I, I started this, uh, you know, Bonfire Sports and the, and the channel, uh, you know, two and a half years ago means the world to Chris Walby, means the world to Zach Schnitzer and, and really everybody um, that uh, you have seen and heard here on the channel uh, through the years. And, and thanks for the uh, the thumbs up. Uh, appreciate uh, you guys uh, just dropping those right now, seeing them kind of pop up on the screen. Uh, awesome to see everybody. T. Konopoli and uh, Jeff and uh, Vicky and uh, Farside Bruce, Friesen. Uh, appreciate all you guys. Uh, thank you so, so much. Um, look, I was very, very taken by the emotion shown by Zach Kolaris in his post-game comments. And there were some times where, you know, it almost seemed like the disappointment, the shock, the, um, you know, just missed opportunity by this Blue Bombers team to cement, cement a dynasty. I don't think you can completely put that uh, scenario to bed here in Winnipeg yet. But uh, four straight Grey Cup appearances is something people will remember. Uh, and two wins out of four, back-to-back -back in uh, 19 and, and 21, uh, is nothing to be ashamed of. But the opportunity missed to win a third and a fourth appearance for this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team in 2023, um, you know, very, very tough pill to swallow for everybody inside that locker room uh, tonight. Um, yeah, just taken aback by Zach Kolaris's, um emotion that he showed, and, and and you know sometimes where uh, you could tell he was fighting it, fighting fighting to hold it back uh, and and hold it together. And I don't blame him. I you know I think anybody in his situation uh, would have expressed that. Um, this Blue Bombers team had so much belief. Um, you know, uh, getting to talk to Adam Big Hill and Dalton Schoen inside the locker room. I'll have those interviews up on Bonfire Sports, uh, you know, in, in the coming time. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, you know, talking to some guys about what it meant to have Schoen fight to get healthy enough to play. And was he 100%? You know, no, he wasn't. Uh, was Adam Big Hill 100%? No, he wasn't. But for Adam Big Hill to uh, battle back uh, and, and be able to play, I think, meant the world to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and his teammates and his coaches and, and all those uh, individuals inside the building. Um, in no way, shape or form do I feel, and this is just my objective opinion, in no way, shape or form. Do I believe the health of Adam Big Hill or Dalton Schoen or anybody else for that matter had a factor in this game? Like, could Big Hill have been in more plays and his usual self? Absolutely. But that's not the reason the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lost. I don't think you can hang it on any individual or even a couple individuals. Montreal was impressive. And the way that they finished the regular season, the way that they knocked off three teams in the playoffs, similar to what Winnipeg did in 2019, and kind of shocking the world and beating the Ticats uh, at McMahon in Calgary in 2019. Uh, Montreal did that. Um, Dalton Schoen, you know, uh, not his normal speedy self 
Absolutely not. Uh, but I think having him available, somebody of his caliber, obviously a CFL all-star uh, in his first two years in the CFL, again, this year, his second year, um, is enough of a threat, enough of a, you know, decoy as much as he did catch some balls tonight, um, you know, to to help Winnipeg, uh, you know, help Winnipeg's offense uh, get going. We can uh, take a look at uh, some numbers here um, on the Blue Bombers offense. And here is uh, Zach Kolaris' numbers, 236 yards passing, 19 of 23, 82.6%. Outstanding number from the Blue Bombers quarterback. He uh, played his heart out. And, you know, you can say uh, some of those uh, balls that, um, you know, uh, KV and Ento uh, either knocked down or intercepted, were they underthrown? I mean, uh, especially the interception. Uh that was one Kalars talked about in the post game, and, and you guys will be able to hear it when I post that up on the channel. Um, that uh, you know, it, it did look like man-to-man coverage, and when Ento broke off of Drew Wallatarski, uh, he was able to uh, you know get deeper into the end zone, uh, elevate, and, and make a heck of a play. Uh, to me, he was the player of the game, the most valuable player in this game, KV and Ento of the Alouettes uh, on defense, uh, really even on offense. Uh, Cody Fajardo was named uh, this game's most outstanding player, but um, Ento was was probably my choice. I did not have an official vote uh, in this one, but um, Kolaris and Fajardo uh, went toe-to-toe, and Cody Fajardo really... Uh, delivered when it mattered. And he led the CFL in completion percentage in 2023. And you just look at those numbers, 21 of 26 passing, 81% for 290 yards, three touchdowns, threw the one interception to Evan Holm in the third quarter, uh, or maybe it was early in the fourth, um, which effectively worked as a punt for the Montreal Alouettes. And, uh, you know, people will say, well, what do you mean it it worked as a punt? yeah, it was early in the fourth quarter. It was second and four, and it was the second play of Montreal's drive. And, you know, um, Austin Mack uh, gets a six-yard reception, second and four, uh, and they throw a deep ball that home uh, is able to intercept. And, and, you know, it didn't give Winnipeg particularly good field position. Uh, I think it gave them maybe a little bit of momentum at that point. Uh but they weren't able to capitalize on it. They went two and out uh, following that Evan Holm interception, uh, their third two and out of the game. And I believe it was their second uh, of the second half. I could be wrong. No, it was their first uh, two and out of the second half. But Montreal then responded uh, to that uh, Winnipeg short possession with uh, a real quick uh, three play 26 yard drive. Um uh, as they they got a, a, a pretty good return, uh, they got they got some good returns uh, from uh, James Letcher Jr. Uh, in the 110th Grey Cup. Uh, Austin Mack, 103 yards receiving, uh, two second down conversions. Tyson Philpaw with some real big catches in the late going when Montreal needed it. Uh, he was a, a heck of a player. Uh, in this game, as well as uh, Snead um, made some uh, very, very important catches in the late going there uh, to help Montreal move the chains. And, um, you know, uh, moving back over to the Winnipeg side, because I did start this by uh, talking about Dalton Schoen. Uh, I think, you know, Schoen's two second down conversion catches and, you know, caught everything thrown his way, three on three targets for 36 yards. Uh, He did enough 
to be a productive uh Key, you know, cog in uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense. Kenny Lawler was damn good. Uh, 77 yards, including a long one of 42 that really helped Winnipeg um, in the early going of this game. Uh, Nick Dembski, outstanding, I thought, tonight, even when Montreal was really putting, um, you know, some uh, some physical uh, presence in his face. Uh, eight catches on nine targets for Dembski, 74 yards, three second down conversions, 46 yak yards, yards after the catch. Uh, he was just damn good. And then there's Brady Oliveira doing what Brady Oliveira does. Uh, had uh, 200, or a, a, eclipsed 100 yards rushing pretty early uh, in the game. I think it was uh, late in the second quarter that he did. Uh, so, um, you know, Winnipeg did really what they hoped to do, and that was play ball control and run the football and score points but you know to have a uh you know to have a a lead in the second quarter 17 7 uh to go into the half with that huge third down um uh, goal line stand where Shane Goche filling in for Adam Big Hill uh making that stop um was 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 really uh, an impressive uh play and moment for Winnipeg uh, going into the halftime break. Um, did you guys like Green Day? Hit up the comments. I would love to hear your uh, your thoughts on that. I thought it was pretty good uh, as much as I got to catch it uh, when I wasn't having some conversations with people uh, both in Montreal and, uh, you know, from around the CFL. Just get people's perspective uh, on the games. To me, that's, that's my halftime show. Um, you know, Jamal Parker got injured at one point in this game, um, you know, uh, on the opening kick. Of the second half, uh, Evan Holm moved to corner, Brandon Alexander from safety to halfback, and then Nick Hallett, who was awesome tonight. And Mike O'Shea talked about it. You'll hear from him uh, here on the channel a little bit later. I'll post a, a separate video of all these individuals, um, you know, just how he makes big plays in big games. Nick Hallett uh, kind of turning into... Um, you know, a, a reflection of his teammate, Mike Miller, uh, you know, doing it, uh, doing it on special teams, but stepping in at safety um, has uh, was pretty impressive uh, as well. Um, you know, when Big Hill started uh, suffering those, uh, you know, snags with his injured calf, he was, uh, you know, he mentioned to us after the game um, uh, that uh, he had a torn calf. Uh, you know, he gave himself zero percent chance of playing in this game when it happened. So a week ago, Adam Bighill, of all people, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken of Adam Bighill's character and approach, uh, his mentality of both football and life and work ethic and leadership. Uh, I, I don't have to, to repeat those sentiments. I think you guys all know uh, what Adam Bighill is, is made of um, and, you know, who, who, who he is, uh, but he gave himself a 0% chance of playing in the Grey Cup, and then Mike O'Shea, forever optimistic, forever hopeful, and never closing the door on the potential for a player to play, uh, <laughs> shocked everybody, shocked everybody when those, uh, you know, him and, and Dalton Schoen were able to go. Um, that that was really something, and uh, a pretty gutsy um, display of what it means to go to war with uh, with and for your teammates. Um, 
Hang on one sec. So I'm in the uh, TSN radio booth where uh, Dustin Nielsen and um, uh, Marshall Ferguson called the game tonight. And uh, TSN, I'm just going live here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, TSN still wrapping up, uh, packing up uh, their stuff. How'd you enjoy the game? Good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, from Winnipeg, this uh, this gentleman is. Uh, so, you know, uh, broadcasting to all the Winnipeg fans here uh, on Bonfire Sports. Um, uh, where was I? Yeah, you know, uh, just what Dalton shown and uh, Adam Big Hill showed in being able to play and doing what they needed to do to get healthy. And I asked Dalton Schoen, another individual, you'll uh, uh, see video of his post-game comments here on the channel uh, a little bit later. I asked him what it meant to have your head coach uh, remain hopeful and to not close the door on that opportunity to play in a championship game. And he said it meant the world. So, uh, you know, while us in the media and many fans get frustrated with Mike O'Shea at times and, uh, you know, his approach to remaining very, very tight lipped uh, and non com, you know, you know, not commenting uh, on the status of his injured players. Um, there's a reason why he does it. And it's uh, it's it's it has nothing to do with anybody except how he approaches uh, managing his team and really how the team manages uh, themselves, which is how Michael Shea does it, hands off and, and kind of out of the locker room, which I think really speaks to uh, why it was important for Adam Big Hill to play in this game, um, you know, uh, despite uh, being somebody that uh, self-admittedly gave himself a 0% chance to be able to, to then step on the field. Um, Real quickly, uh, you know, got got about another 10 minutes here uh, before we wrap up. Uh, great to see everybody in the live chat. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, uh, appreciate uh, all of you uh, out there watching live. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast, appreciate you too. Uh, thanks for that. Um, and stick around this winter. You're, you're not going to see the last of, uh, of this face, unfortunately. Uh, going to have lots of stuff up uh, on the channel through uh, the CFL offseason and through the Winnipeg Jets season uh, as well. Um, if we look at uh, really the way this game shook out, uh, yes, it was surprising to see, um, you know, an underdog team like the Montreal Alouettes uh, win this game, but, you know, there were many people, uh, including my good friend and colleague Jamie Nye out of Regina, who is as objective and unbiased as they come, uh, picked the Montreal Alouettes to win. Um, and, you know, the Alouettes won in the way many of us said, you know, what what is the path to victory? It was takeaways. It was, uh, you know, a lot of people said, you know, defensive scoring, defensive touchdowns. Um, but, uh, you know, while they didn't need to do that, they did find ways to score, and uh, it was pretty dang impressive, um, you know, to to see the Alouettes uh, and the way uh, they did that. Uh, in the second quarter, Jason Moss challenged a no yards, uh, challenged for a no yards penalty and, and wasn't able to uh, get that. Uh, and then the Winnipeg goal line stand, you know, going into halftime, I really thought that uh, Winnipeg was going to be able to continue that momentum into the second half. And, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, they weren't. The way uh, 
the game went, especially after that um, uh, Cole Speaker 23-yard touchdown catch uh, on Montreal's first possession of the third quarter to bring them to within one score. We suddenly thought, you know, like, hey, if if the Alouettes were able to score on that uh, short yardage situation, um, that... uh, let me be out here, brother. We just got some uh, some cables tied up. This, this is how busy it is uh, after Grey Cup when all you guys are headed home and uh, you know hung over and happy. Uh, there's still uh, so many people here uh, working, um, you know, uh, to to bring you this game, uh, you know, across a, a lot of different mediums. But uh, um, the way that uh, Montreal found a way to beat this Blue Bombers defense, uh, they kept Cody Fajardo. Uh, mobile. They kept him uh, kind of in a moving pocket. Uh, I had a lot of criticism and and questions about the Montreal Alouettes' uh, ability to protect their quarterback. And, you know, I thought Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and, um, you know, a lot of those principal pieces on the front end of the defense, that front six, I honestly thought they were going to uh, have a more of an impact in this game. But Montreal's offensive system with their coordinator, Anthony Calvillo, and of course, uh, the offensive mind of head coach Jason Moss. They were really good, really, really good, and were able to uh, get the ball downfield and find ways uh, to get, um, you know, Austin Mack and, and Tyson Philpott um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sneed and and Speaker, um, you know, in some space. And, uh, you know, you got to give Cody Fajardo credit. He he really uh, was able to deliver the football um, efficiently and effectively. And, uh, I, you know, that surprised me. I'll, I'll be honest. That, that definitely surprised me. So when um, uh, they were able to get to within three, and then Winnipeg puts together a very long, impressive drive, Dembski, uh for a 17-yard catch, and then Oliveira with a couple seven-yard runs, and then Lawler with a nine-yard grab, and then Prukop, in on second and one, uh, or second and two, he rips off six yards, which was just uh, crazy to, to see uh, how efficient and effective um, Dakota Prukop was running the football uh, in short yardage for Winnipeg. Um, you know, Winnipeg was really moving, and uh, then came the uh, KBNento interception in the end zone, which was to me the play of the game, the bonfire burning point, uh, if you will. Um, now, Montreal wasn't able to score on that ensuing drive. They just had four plays and a punt, but their defense did their job and uh, forced Winnipeg into a punting situation as well. Then Evan Holm had an interception. Uh, so we got a three point ball game early in the fourth quarter, and Winnipeg at that moment, uh, taking the ball back from Montreal. Uh, You know, I talked about it earlier, maybe being kind of like effectively like a punt for the Alouettes. Um, I thought there was going to be some momentum there. And I really thought at that point, okay, this is what the Blue Bombers do. They're going to find a way uh, to, you know, play their best football in the fourth quarter. And, you know, they tried to get Brady Oliveira going. Uh, Reggie Stubblefield, who for my money was the most outstanding rookie in the CFL this season, big sack, a loss of eight yards and and forcing that two and out that I mentioned earlier. And then for um, Austin Mack, um, to pull in a 13-yard catch and run. Very well-designed play by the Alouettes uh, that gave them their first lead of the game, 21-17. 
Then came Winnipeg uh, to see uh, Janarian Grant have a 39-yard return to the uh, to the Winnipeg's own 54 to be at midfield. Uh, Winnipeg put together a very, very good drive, and I thought, okay, we got ourselves a ball game. Nine plays, 56 yards, uh, five minutes, 14 seconds. This was bully ball. This was uh, clock-eating Winnipeg Blue Bombers offensive football. Um to and and you know a, a touchdown score from Dakota Prukop uh, on a four yard uh, uh, plunge to go up twenty four twenty one, and at that point, um, you know, uh, Winnipeg then forced a three play and out from the Alouettes offense. But it was the way that Montreal rolled with the punches. They didn't let Winnipeg intimidate them. They found a way offensively, which I don't think anybody really suspected or expected Montreal to do. It was their offense, not their special teams, not their defense with takeaways. The takeaways helped, but they did not put up points particularly. Uh, No pick sixes, uh, no scoop and scores, that sort of thing. Um, It was their offense that made it happen. And to to see a Canadian like Tyson Philpott uh, uh, do what he did, um, you know, and, and to see Cody Fajardo Get his team to the promised land uh, is really something. Um, would love your thoughts in the comments of your Walby's Warrior, your Westwood Wide to the right, your Happy Honker. Uh, I mentioned my bonfire burning point. I would love to hear your bonfire burning point uh, in this game as well. Um, and, you know, game balls, I think I will give one uh, to... Well, I mean, I I got to give one uh, to KB Ento. I thought he was the best player on the field. Uh, I'll give one to Brady Oliveira. He did what Brady does. Uh, and you'll hear comments from him as well. Uh, some insightful ones uh, on, uh, you know, I'll, I'll post that here on Bonfire uh, soon. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you got to give Cody Fajardo credit. You got to give him credit. And I know Bombers fans don't want to hear that. But uh, he... He deserved uh, this win. He led his team to score when they needed to score. And, uh, you know, uh, when there's a minute left, 55 seconds left, and they had the ball, he made it happen. Uh, Surprising? Absolutely. Impressive? Definitely. And, I mean, look, I know Bombers fans are, are, are disappointed. I have a lot of people close to me in my life with the Winnipeg Rifles, with the Blue Bombers, uh, with, you know, my friends, uh, people, friends, uh, you know, that I've made here uh, through uh, Bonfire Sports and, uh, you know, other members of the media that don't cover the team, that love this team. Um, I feel for you. I, I absolutely do. I grew up a Blue Bombers fan. I know how it feels to have your heart broken, especially when you expect to have your team win. I I feel for you. Uh, I've also put my fan card in my pocket for you because you, the fans, deserve an objective perspective on your football team and on your favorite football team. So I do that for you guys. And uh, it's it's an honor and a privilege, truly, as cliche as that is. It's an absolute honor and privilege to do that for you guys. And I thank you again uh, for your support here on Bonfire Sports. Uh, This I do know. Mike O'Shea, uh, Zach Kolaris, Nick Dembski, some of the guys on the defense, I think, you know, uh, but but those uh, those names that I mentioned, those guys are under contract for, for some time yet. This Blue Bombers team is not done. 
they are going to be a team that I think once they're able to digest this week and uh, tonight and the 110th Grey Cup and obviously some huge disappointment uh, to be a complete understatement, once that happens and they hit the field for training camp in May of 2024, uh, this team is is going to be a team that is going to compete. They are going to fight. They are going to work. And, uh, you know, if I was a fan, I would be proud of this team. Uh, you see what they bring, uh, their approach, and how much it means to them. That was my takeaway of being inside that locker room. How much it means to them to play for their teammates, to play for their brothers and their sisters, to play for their fans, to play for you. Um, you know, th this team... This team has something, I think, that really is special. Them being in four straight Grey Cups, not a fluke. Not even close. Uh, and they were close to, uh, you know, capturing the Grey Cup last year in Regina in a one-point loss to the Toronto Argonauts. And they were close to capturing a third Grey Cup in four straight appearances here in the 110th. But... This is why you play the games. This is why we watch. This is why we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and the gray areas in between. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, keep it locked. I will post those uh, post-game interviews with Willie Jefferson, um, uh, Jamarcus Hardrick, Adam Bighill, Dalton Schoen, Brady Oliveira. Uh, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody else, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate uh, all of you out there. I hope you had a good night. Your final score in the 110th Grey Cup, Montreal 28, Winnipeg 24. And I'll leave it by saying this. The Montreal Alouettes franchise 12 months ago, there were questions about whether they were going to fold. Their general manager, Danny Machocha, had no money, literally no budget to sign free agents. And here we are, you know, just a matter of months later. And they are. Great Cup champions for the first time in over a decade. So uh, this league uh, remains to be the crazy football league. The CFL, it's crazy, um, but uh, it is definitely entertaining. And uh, I sure hope uh, you enjoyed the ride. Thanks again, everybody. And, uh, you know, hey, enjoy your weekend. And remember, there's more to life than football. And your team, hey, they're playing in the championship. Uh, you know, it, it could have been, uh, you know, things can be a lot different. So have gratitude. Uh, I know I'm uh, very, um, you know, appreciative of, of all of you out there. I think I've mentioned that, um, you know, uh, a lot tonight. And there's a reason why. So uh, have a great one, everybody. Uh, wish Schnitzi was able to join us here on, on game day after dark. Wasn't able to, but uh, sending my best uh, to him. He is doing great. Same with Chris Walby. Uh, he is doing great. I'm sure they're as disappointed as many of you uh, out there as uh, they bleed blue and gold. But um, hey, you know, we're, we're so honored to uh, be able to uh, bring you this stuff here on Bonfire Sports. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.